Yeah, no, I, I didn't even know he had it. I'll, I'll reach out to them afterwards. Well, let's, let's pray and we'll, we'll get started. God, thank you so much, Lord. Father, I know sometimes it's a, it's a good bit of time that we spend here going through prayer requests, God, but if it wasn't important, we wouldn't do it, Father, so that we might share these things, God, that we might, Lord, make others aware that we pray, because you, your Bible tells us, God, where we agree, Father, and well, we agree on each of these needs that they need your touch. There's nothing else can give healing. There's nothing else can give grace. There's nothing else can give hope. And God, I pray you'd reach down and touch each one of these needs, God, and be involved in these surgeries, and one coming up tomorrow and all the way to next Wednesday, God. And Lord, I thank you for what you did for Michael coming out of that surgery, and even Miss Phyllis, God, but recovery still exists, God, is there, and even with Sam as he's in recovery and therapy, and uh, Mr. Tyrone in therapy, and just all there is, God, I pray you'd keep your hands upon it, and God, right now, as we take a, a few minutes, God, to look at your word and, and then even to come together and pray, Lord, I pray you'd be in the midst of it, Lord. If you're not here, there's no reason for us to be here, God. I ask you to open this book, make it real to us, that we might learn something about you. Lord, that make us eager to serve you better. We love you, Lord. You've been so good to us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So in 2 Corinthians here in chapter 6, we left off verse number 8. We looked at by honor and dishonor. And then we went on by evil, or we, we, we left off, we haven't yet really covered, we kind of started it by uh, evil report and good report as deceivers and yet true. And I want to try to just really bump into these tonight. I don't want to camp out on a lot of this stuff and kind of move on through. Paul is looking at characteristics of the Christian life, and it's a good example of how we ought to be. And certainly you could do a word study and turn this into a one year, but I really would like to kind of maybe finish up this tonight or certainly maybe by... Next, we can move on to the rest of the letter. But he says, verse 9, is, un is unknown and yet well known. As dying and behold, we live. Remember, we started looking at contrast. We looked um, at the first part when he was talking about characteristics. And then he began to get into these contrasts. And here in the contrast, is yet well known. And um, behold, we, we live as chastened and not killed. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing and yet possessing all things. Oh, you Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you, our heart is enlarged. You're not straightening us, but you're straightening your own bowels. Now for recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children, be ye also enlarged. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father unto you. You shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Thank you, God. What a promise. What a promise. If you didn't do nothing but hold on to those couple, three verses right there, what a promise. So I want to start back off here with evil and report as we'd already kind of looked at honor and dishonor. The word for evil there means to speak evil of. Um, the word for good, it means to have a good reputation. Can I tell you, Paul is not at all concerned about what people have to say about him. Paul's not worried about who's talking about him behind his back. Paul's not worried about who's praising him up and who's tearing him down. Paul is simply focused on preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
You and I need to take an example from the things that he's talking about right here. His main focus in life is to live a life pleasing to God. Now, I can tell you, if you live a life pleasing to God as best as you can, you're going to be just like Paul. You're going to be loved by some. You're going to be hated by others. You're going to be praised by some. You're going to be condemned by others. None of it makes any difference. Anybody that's in the public eye, loved by some condemned by others if you stand for christ in your workplace if you stand for christ in your neighborhood if you stand for christ among people anywhere whatever the place is where they gather if you stand for christ then you're going to have two groups around you one of them's going to praise you one of them's going to tear you down paul just keeps on going can i can i tell you if anybody pats you on the back here here's the way to not um to be to be changed, not to be um, carried. I think it was Sunday. I remember making the statement, but I said we, we are to remain unmoved by fame and unmoved by blame. I think that was Sunday. I do remember saying that fairly recently. Unmoved by fame, unmoved by blame. Here's the deal. Somebody comes up and tells you they're proud of you. Somebody comes up and tells you you did a good job. Somebody comes up and patting you on the back, point everything to him. He alone is worthy. Thank you very much, but it's all the credit to him. Thank you very much, but it had nothing to do with me. Thank you very much, but give him all the praise and glory, for he alone is worthy. If they come to you to condemn you, the answer is the same. Give it all to him. He said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. He said, cast all you care upon him, for he careth for you. So if they come to you with praise, send it all his way. If they come to you, come to you with condemnation, just hand it all to him. We're not supposed to have to carry in of it. All we're supposed to do is do like the Apostle Paul. Just keep on living for Christ. Just keep on doing the best we can day in and day out. So Paul goes on, he says, as deceivers... And yet true. The word for deceivers here, it means to wander, but it also means to lead others astray. Used as a noun, is, is referring to as an imposter. A lot of what in today's term people call posers, pretending to be one thing but something else. And the word used for true means anything that is in contrast to what is false. Matthew chapter 27, this is after the crucifixion, and the Pharisees are talking about what they're trying to do is get the tomb sealed. Because what they remember, you know, it's always funny to me. It's always amazing to me. The disciples don't remember that Jesus says he's coming back on the third day. The ones that claim to be Christians don't remember that Jesus says he's coming back on the third day. The ones that claim to follow him don't remember that Jesus says he's coming back on the third day. But the Pharisees remember it. The Pharisees are the ones talking about it. They said, you remember that deceiver when it was here said that he's coming back on the third day. So, so they called Jesus a deceiver even though everything that he taught was the truth. He himself is truth. He even said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And even though he is the truth, people called him a deceiver. Is it any wonder that people would call you and I deceivers they did the same thing to the apostle Paul his enemies referred to him as a deceiver although everything that he did he was an outspoken advocate of the truth he was a he was an outspoken lifestyle for the Lord Jesus Christ which is the truth yet people referred to him as a deceiver yet he refused to let them get to him you and I 
have to be the same way. You're going to be accused. You're going to get accusations. You're going to be slandered. You're going to be called a liar. You're going to be called a deceiver. Whatever the world's out there, the devil's going to do whatever he can to do those things. You and I just keep on going. Paul doesn't get bogged down in this stuff. Paul doesn't have time to camp out right here in that kind of life. There's too many people out there that can be reached to worry about the ones that don't want to be reached. Not one person heard me. I said there's too many out there that can be reached to get bogged down by the ones that don't want to get reached. There's those that are living right there. They're on their way to hell and they don't care. All they want to do is try to tear you down, watch you fall, try to make sure that you fall, try to stir up all kinds of lies and rumors. All they're doing is stirring up trouble. You're probably not going to reach them. Don't worry about them. Just reach out because if they're behind you, there's somebody in front of you that needs to hear the gospel that it will work for. There's somebody out there that God has before us that we can reach. So don't spend time reaching back to the ones. Listen, we pray, what was that, a week or two ago, we looked at Paul and said, hey, reward them according to their own works. You just keep on working and say, Lord, those about to run in the mouth, reward them according to their own works. I don't, I don't have time for them. Lord, I'm just going to set my sights on the things that you want me to do. So Paul refused to get bogged down in that. Every, every one of us at some point, are going to be condemned. I know you haven't been already. I, I know you had not had fingers pointed at you and things said about you already, but it's going to happen sooner or later. Just go ahead and prepare yourself for it. If you prepare yourself for it, then you won't be surprised when it comes, right? Verse number 9, he says, As unknown and yet well known. Now, I like these next couple now, there's probably a million different ways to look at these. I, I'm just telling you, it's hunting season right now. That means I spend a few hours, a couple of days sitting out in the woods, and I love it because that means all I can, I sit out there and read books, and especially this book, and I just get to look at stuff and study, and it's just a different picture. But I looked at unknown and yet well-known. And here's my take on that. It doesn't bother me that I'm unknown in this life. I'm well known in heaven. It doesn't bother me that people in this world don't know who I am. Everybody in heaven knows who I am. It doesn't bother me that people out there don't know my name. Everybody in heaven knows my name. And everybody that gets to heaven is going to know my name. What I like even more is when I get to heaven, I'm going to remember everybody's name. That's going to be amazing enough to me. I waste half my time of my day trying to remember people's names I've known for 10 years. If I didn't have to sign off so many times, I'd probably forget my own. But when I get there, we shall know as we are known. It doesn't matter in this life that we're unknown. It doesn't matter that we're not popular down here in this world. We're popular where it counts. We're a somebody when it gets to where it matters. Everybody in heaven knows my name. I was... I was trying not to sing it sitting out there yesterday. I got them, that old song, old Casting Crowns. Matter of fact, I've had Chris Tomlin on my phone for probably 20-plus years, um, How Great Is Our God, and they've decided to not make that a ringback anymore. So those of you, when you call me, I apologize that you no longer get to listen to Chris Tomlin sing How Great Is Our God. It is a ring tone. I get to listen to it on my end, but you can't hear it on your end because they decided enough people don't buy it, so they quit putting it out there. Apparently, I'm the only one that had it for a ringtone, I guess. And I'm not smart enough. If some of you young people want to help me out on how to make a cut, 
so that I can put that in there and I'm tired of paying Verizon a buck 99 every year. Anyway, they keep cutting off. Some of you smart enough know how to get me out a little cut and put that on my phone. I will hug your neck. I'll hug your neck anyway, but I'll hug you twice if you figure that out. But I have changed and it is casting crown. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody to save my soul. I thought, well, they won't let me tell how great my God is. I'll just go ahead and conclude it with I'm a nobody. I don't mind being a nobody. I'm a nobody that's got a story to tell about somebody, and that somebody did something for me that made me a somebody when I get to where I'm going. Amen? I'm okay with being a nobody. It's hard to sit still in a tree stand and get to thinking about that kind of stuff. I get to wanting to run a lap. I'm sitting up there trying to be still. I have to stop and look around for a minute. Deer be sitting looking like, what are you doing? I'm like, y'all just going. I'm having a spell. <clears throat> so so then, then Paul says, as dying, behold, we live. Now, that's exciting to me. Every minute of my life, I'm getting closer to dying. That means every minute of my life, I'm getting closer to living. Because I ain't started living yet. Every minute of my life, I get closer to dying in the flesh that I might live in the spirit. Every minute, I get closer to dying of pain where to go to where there's no more pain. I, I get closer to dying of suffering and problems and troubles to going to a place where there is no suffering and problems and troubles. Every minute of my life, I get closer to dying, but that's one minute I'm closer to living. Paul, Paul says, as dying, and behold... We're living. Anybody feel like you're living? Y'all know what I'm talking about. I was, I was thinking about that. I, I know I've told this before, but I can't help it. I thought about it. I thought about something yesterday. You don't have to worry about dying in this life. If you're worried about it, I don't know. You might not be want to worry about it. You don't have to worry about dying in this life till you finish doing what you're here to do. Now, two or three of you heard me, but some of you didn't quite get that. You do not have to worry about dying in this life until you have completed that for which you have been sent to accomplish. I shared this story y'all one time, but God had told me, y'all know I traveled, I did missions, I was traveling mainly in the southeast preaching, raising money for the Lighthouse Children's Home. I was in Costa Rica 12 times in 2012, Panama twice, going mission trips, carrying groups, and all there. 2013, January, I get off plane, and God says, stay home. Like, what do you mean, stay home? Stay home, don't go nowhere. Preaching on Wednesday night over at Pastor Max at the men's ministry over on Cherry Street, other side of LaGrange, and on Wednesday night's coming up, and God says, don't go over there, stay home. I'm like, what do you mean, don't go over there? He says, I mean, don't go over there, stay home. I call Pastor Max, I can't come. He says, I got to have you. I said, I'm sorry, God said, I can't preach over there no more. And I'm thinking, what did I do? What did I do wrong? I'm traveling and preaching, and nobody, no pastors will call back. I can't raise no money for the Lighthouse Children's Home if I can't go preach. I can't tell nobody about Jesus. I'm sitting here with a burning desire to go preach somewhere. God won't open no doors, and God said, stay home. I said, what do you mean, stay home? He said, I mean, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Be at Faith Baptist Church. Be right here. Man, I was heartbroken for the longest time. I didn't know what I did wrong. Finally, one day... I know why God didn't tell me because he knew I'd be a real pain in his neck after he told me because nobody won't know when. But he told me what my next mission was going to be was I was going to pastor a church. So I knew for sure, beyond a shadow of a doubt, what my next 
mission was going to be. I was going to pastor a church. So one day, Corey and I were delivering a house. Little old narrow paved road, and there's a big old bank on this side. The truck's about half turned over over here, and it goes straight off down the hill. And I'm talking about a hill that the trucks won't hold. Once you start down the hill, it's going to drag the truck down the hill, and you can't hold the brakes because you've got to be able to steer to keep the house from hitting the trees. So I'll come down off the bank, and I'm sliding and guiding and getting off the bottom of the hill. Corey's like, Daddy, Daddy, man, that, that right there was dangerous, man. That's a good way to die. I said, I ain't worried about that, son. He said, what do you mean you're about? I said, I can't die right now if I want to. He said, what are you talking about? I said, God told me that I'm going to be a pastor of a church, and I've not been a pastor. There ain't nothing I can do to cause me to die today. Now, I may die on the Sunday I become a pastor, but today I ain't going to die. We get in there, we park that half of the house, we go back up, and we start backing them. I'm down there, I'm directing Corey, and he's in his truck, and he gets the truck about half up on the bank, starts down, he opens the door and gets out. I said, what is it? He said, God ain't told me to do nothing, I can die. You're going to have to do this. <laughs> you cannot die. You cannot die in this life until you have fulfilled that for which God put you here to do. God has a purpose for your life. God had a purpose for the Apostle Paul's life. And Paul was beaten, but he kept on living. Isn't that good? Now, I don't know what your purpose is. If he's given you a future purpose and you know you ain't done it yet, you're going to do whatever you want. You're in pretty good shape. Otherwise, I don't know. You might have ran out of things to do yesterday. I ain't getting into that line with you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not putting no kind of fine line time here. I'm just telling you that God has things for us to do but the bottom line is we will continue dying until we have completed the work think about how many times the apostle paul had a brush with death think about how many luke gives us several accounts in the book of acts luke don't even scratch the surface of all that the apostle went through he just kind of highlights the big things he don't get into all the other stuff and little things and probably things that Luke didn't even know about because he wasn't there all the time. We can't begin to imagine all of the things that he went through, but yet God always kept him alive because he wasn't through writing the letters. And you and I needed the letters. And a matter of fact, had Paul not gotten put in prison, he might have never finished the letters. God, I believe, put him in prison to get him to sit down and finish. God's like, I'm about ready to bring you here. I need some more letters from my churches. I need some more advice from my people. I need you to put some more stuff out. I'm going to have to sit you down and sit you still. Because I need you to finish some stuff so I can get you on up here to the house. I don't know if that's exactly how it worked, but I do know one thing. God kept him alive long enough to finish the letters so that you and I would have the letters. And the letters, the letters give us hope. The, the letters teach us, but they give us a lot of strength, a lot of things to draw from. You think about David. David's life was like that. We know that Saul, once Saul began to realize that God had removed his anointing from him and had moved it to David. Remember, after Saul had slain thousands and David is ten thousands, we know that Saul tried to kill David at least 24 times in the text. After Saul was removed and David became king, think about all the other kings that they wanted to kill David, but nobody could take care of him because he was the Lord's anointed. The Lord had his hand on him. He had a purpose. He had, remember, the blood on his hand. He couldn't build the temple. He couldn't do the things that Solomon later did because he was a warrior. God was using him for what he was doing, but God wasn't going to take him home or let him be killed until he finished what he was doing. Think, think about this. I wonder if there's anybody in here tonight. Probably not. Probably ain't nobody, but we'll go ahead and ask it anyway. I wonder if there's even one somebody that can think of at least one time in your life that you could have and probably should have died. 
Yeah. You just think about the number of times we've been in cars alone. And you think about the times we could have and probably should have died. You think about things we've done. You know, I can think about some stupid stuff I've done in my life. I should have died. But God saw fit to keep us here. It's, it's, not, it's not because we're um, not expendable. God doesn't need me. He just loves me and uses me anyway. But he does have a purpose. He does have a plan for every one of us in here. I don't have time to preach the other side of that, so I'll just leave that alone. Maybe we'll hit that up on another one. But, but you think about how many times Satan tried to kill Jesus. He, he needed to get Jesus out of the way. He, he thought if he could just kill Jesus, that would solve the problem. He didn't realize that once he did that, it was going to. It was going to solve the problem, all right, for you and I. Thank you, Jesus. But if you preach Jesus, if you teach Jesus, if you live Jesus, the devil's going to try to kill you the same way he tried to kill Jesus. But Paul says we just keep on living. We just keep on living. We just keep on living. Ain't God good? Dying. And behold, we live as chastened and not killed. The word for chastening here is the same thing. It's kind of like chastening children. But the verb form of this word has to do with scourging. It has to do with, with beatings. You remember when, when Pilate, we even do it in the Easter play, when he was trying to reason with the Jews, he told them to scourge Jesus, told them to beat him, but don't kill him, scourge him. No, Paul was scourged an awful lot of times. The apostle Paul was beaten a, a lot of times. But it seems as though by the things that Paul says in the several different letters and, and how he glories in tribulation and how he, it seems like Paul has learned to take these beatings almost as a compliment. That, that I'm close enough to God that it bothers you enough that you think you've got to beat me. It's almost like the Apostle Paul has taken these scourgings as, you know what, it's okay. Because all it does, every one of them just makes me pray more. Every one of them just draws me closer to God. Every one of them just makes me work more for Him. It's almost like He's found a place that, that rather than be beat down and discouraged by the beatings, He says, it's just going to make me serve Him more. Yeah, I hadn't got there yet. I'm just preaching what, what Paul's doing. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verse number 16, he said, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Amen. That by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He says, I'm beaten, but I'm not buried. Just keep on preaching. Then he says, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. That word sorrowful comes from a word that just means to be grieved. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30 talks about how we can grieve the Holy Spirit. I have no doubt that the Apostle Paul would have carried around a lot of grief. You think about all the churches that he started. 
Lord have mercy, there's enough can come out of just one group of people. You think about all the churches that he started in all the different cities, and these are new churches and new converts. Think about all the people that he led to Christ, all the people that he told about Jesus, all the people that became saints of God through his teaching. But then think about all the wolves that came in behind Paul as soon as he got out of town. Think about all the false teachers and false prophets that come in. Before you know it, you've got these new converts being led astray. And before you know it, they're going off in a wrong direction, and they're tying works back into salvation. And they're, they're trying to bring the Old Testament law back into the New Testament grace. And I'm sure Paul was grieved a lot by all the things, but he did not allow the grief to steal his joy. There's no doubt that you and I walk in this life, we're going to go through some things that's going to grieve us. There's just going to be some grievances. There's some things that's going to happen that, that will cause grief, but we cannot let them steal our joy. Sorrowful, yes. There's a lot of things that made Paul sorrowful, but he's always rejoicing that, that God would even count him worthy to teach his word. It's amazing to me that God even lets us read this book. It's amazing to me that the God of all the universe would let us touch the pages of that book and not kill us. Anybody realize how holy this book is? If, if you throw it around and toss it around like a rag doll, leave it lying around, and if there's a stack of books on your shelf, this one's on the bottom, and if it's lying around on the back seat of your car with dust all over it, then you don't realize how holy this book is. If you, if you handle this book disrespectfully, you don't realize how holy this book is. I'm sorry. This ain't just a book. This isn't just a leather cover binding of, of some papers. This is God's holy, inspired, written word. And can I tell you something? If it was under the Old Testament law and you touched it, you'd be dead. Because common people like you, I mean, remember the story, only the high priest could go behind the veil once a year, right? We wouldn't even be allowed to touch this book. But through grace, we can handle and hold and read and touch and teach and do everything we can to live this book. Paul's talking, man, what a blessing just to even be able to teach God's word, but he's talking about being grieved and still having joy. How can you be grieved and still have joy? Think about the night of the crucifixion, even what we do in the Lord's Supper. It's the night of the cross. It's the night of Calvary. It's the night that Jesus is going to be tried. He's going to be falsely accused. He's going to be condemned. He's going to be beaten. He's going to have his beard plucked out. He's going to be nailed to a cross. It is the night of the crucifixion, and the disciples are arguing about who's going to be the greatest. I wonder if Jesus was grieved by their thoughts. I wonder if Jesus, knowing the hour is at hand, the hour is at hand, and y'all worried about who's going to have the prettiest dress when you get to heaven. The hour is at hand, and all you worried about is which seat are you going to sit in at the table. The hour is at hand that the souls of men is about to be saved, that the Son of Man is about to be crucified. We're at that day, the very purpose for which I came, the only reason I stepped out. I may even get to work on that some Sunday. He stepped out of that beautiful place to come to this sinful place. And the only reason I stepped out of there and came to here is for the hour that is at hand. And all you're worried about is which one of y'all's names is going to be listed first on the roster. I wonder if Jesus might have been grieved that night. 
I wonder if Jesus was grieved as he looked out at sinful men and he thought, I'm dying for you. I came here for you. I'm going to get on this cross for you. No man taketh my life. I'm going to give it for you. I'm about to suffer everything for you, and you are still going to go to hell because you're going to reject what I'm about to do. I wonder if Jesus was grieved. I, I, I know that he was. I know we can go to Scripture and show that he was heartbroken by, by all the things that was going on. He, here he is on this night. He knows that on this night, he knows that Judas is going to betray him. He knows that Peter is going to deny him. He knows that all others will forsake me and leave my side. We know that because he told them all that. So he knows all of these things, but what John remembers about that night, Jesus in 1511 in the book of John says, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. There was some grief because of all that was going on. But Jesus had joy inside. That's what we're supposed to have. There is a, there is a, be a joy in us that problems and trials and troubles can't quench. There is to be a joy in us that trials and tribulations can't steal. There is to be a joy in us that situations can't rob us of. If we really have the joy of Christ in us, trials may set us back. We may be grieved, but still have joy. Amen? What time is it? Oh, my goodness. I'm almost halfway through. Um, um, as poor and yet making many rich. We're going to have to start there next week. If my phone's anywhere right, it's got 10 after 8, and, and I want to take a few minutes and pray. I don't want us to not pray on a Wednesday night. I want us to always um, have corporate prayer together. I want us to pray for these prayer requests. I want us to pray for this weekend for Judgment Journey, for the rain. Um, I want us to pray for the sickness, for the surgery tomorrow, for the, surgery, for the uh, appointment coming up next Wednesday, um, for the healing from the surgery just a few hours ago. So if we could come take a few minutes and pray, we'll, we'll pick up with the Bible study again um, next week. Um, be, be praying. Even for Sunday, I want to pray for this whole weekend. I'm praying for a mighty moving of the Holy Spirit this weekend. I pray that God will move on this campus Friday. I'm praying that, that hundreds and maybe even into thousands would be saved this Friday and Saturday. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit of God would remove any type of hindrances from this campus, would remove rain. You know, it's amazing. It's not an accident that God lets rain come in. It, it is an opportunity. It ain't no different than last week. It was an opportunity. Would we stay home or would we come? We had to make a choice. This weekend will be the same. There are some people out there that are lost. I want you to pray for this. This is neat. I'm giving it to you. There are some people out there that are lost. Someone has invited them to Judgment Journey. They've even bought them a ticket planning to come to Judgment Journey. And a little bit of rain is all they need not to come. Just a little bit of excuse is all a child of the devil needs. The devil will take any little excuse and run with it. So any little bit of rain cloud, any little bit of dampness, any little bit of something, it doesn't have to be raining here at 552 Hammett Road. It has to be raining at their house. That's where they're coming from. And that's where the decisions are going to be made. That's where the choices are. I, I believe a lot of choices of salvation are made at the place where they're at before they come to here. God has already made the way here. They just got to make the choice there. 
And I believe last weekend a lot of people made bad choices and they did not come because of the rain. But the rain was gone. And God will do an amazing and a mighty thing. So what if he lets it rain a little bit down there in those woods? It's either for our good or his glory, but something will be accomplished good in it. Amen? I want you to pray for those that they would make good decisions, godly decisions. It would be awesome to see a multitude saved this weekend. I believe there's a lot of Christians just running from the will of God, running from the life that they know God wants them to live, running from church, running from doing right things. They too have tickets to this weekend. Listen, judgment journey is nothing but the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all it is. It is all about the preaching of the gospel. It is just an in-your-face presentation of the book. It makes people face the realities that the Word of God is real and it's going to happen and you better face up to it. And it makes people choose one side of the road or the other. God will not let you straddle the line. We talked about it last Wednesday. We talked about it Sunday morning. God will not let you walk one foot in and one foot out. Either all in or you're all out the way God sees it. And there's some people out there that know they're trying to hang on to the fence. They're going to have to make some choices this weekend. But if they make a choice and get there, I believe God will break some hearts, call home some prodigals, mend some broken lives, and save some lost souls. That's what I'm praying for this weekend.